Broadcasting from London, Ontario, Canada to the rest of the world, it's Ask the Top. Thank you very much for tuning into the latest episode of Ask the Top. Whether it's on ChrisToplak.com, TWM.news, or TheReactionRoom.com, I greatly appreciate your support. As per the tradition, I'm sipping on a delicious steam whistle as Canada's premium pills near the good beer folks brewed at the Roundhouse in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's well-balanced, crisp, and refreshing, especially on an unseasonably warm October day. On the program today, we have plenty to get to. My favorite ECW wrestlers of all time, the rumored actor for Vince McMahon's biopic, expectations for The Shield, the significance of today, October the 5th, and my predictions for WWE Hell in a Cell. Let's get to news from the week. The WWE is bringing back War Games for NXT TakeOver on November the 18th. This was announced as a bit of a spoiler, but Triple H tweeted it out, so it was made official had the wrestling community buzzing. This was a creation from the late, great American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I do believe that Triple H being a prodigy of the American dream will do this justice in NXT. It was initially reported by PWI Insider that Hollywood star Bradley Cooper, you heard that right, has been offered the role of Vince McMahon in the upcoming biopic, Pandemonium. I pose this question to you. Would Bradley Cooper be an ideal pick for Vince McMahon? I'm not doubting this potential choice. He's been offered the role. I have my doubts, though. We lost another great announcer, this time Lance Russell, who was known as the voice of Memphis. He passed away at 91. He called Memphis wrestling for, what, about 40 years? His voice was synonymous with that promotion. One of the greatest announcers of all time. If you know very little about Lance Russell, do your homework, watch the matches, and most importantly, listen to that soundtrack that he provides the matches with. Unbelievable. Uh, Another tragic loss. But at 91, I'm sure he lived a rich, fruitful, amazing life. With Bray Wyatt recently teasing that Sister Abigail is alive There are rumored plans that Sister Abigail might actually be an on-screen character for Raw. So, first I was hearing NXT star Sage Beckett could potentially fill that role. Now, there was some support behind that because she tweeted out an ominous photo that led many to believe, including myself, that she could be teasing a Sister Abigail debut. But then there's a conflicting report out there, and it's being suggested that Sister Abigail, get this, would be the alter ego for Bray Wyatt. This is going to get weird in a hurry. According to WWE.com, Shayna Baszler has reported to the Performance Center to begin training full-time. Shayna was the runner-up in the Mae Young Classic and also a pioneer in women's MMA. Speaking of another pioneer in women's MMA, Ronda Rousey still has a standing offer to join the WWE. This came to light after TMZ caught up with Stephanie McMahon, and she said the offer still stands. And if Ronda Rousey was smart, she'd probably take the WWE up on that offer at a WrestleMania, get that payday, 
stick around or even ride off into the sunset. Let's take a look at the highlights from the week. The entire Raw and SmackDown roster having a moment of silence over the tragedy of the Las Vegas shootings. It was the biggest mass murder in U.S. history. This is not a politically motivated show, nor is this one where I want to talk too much about this, especially the individual behind these heinous acts that does not deserve even one millisecond of media attention for what this individual did to cause harm, not only to the individuals impacted by the shooting in Las Vegas, but all the families and friends who are now left behind mourning the loss of those members. It's ridiculous, but They did the classy thing by taking a moment of silence to acknowledge the shootings, those who were lost, those who were heroes going in to save the day, and those who were impacted in general by the tragic shootings in Las Vegas. Braun Strowman versus Seth Rollins to kick off Raw was a great way to get the crowd pumping. The Miz versus Roman Reigns for the Intercontinental Championship I thought was a great match. And over on SmackDown, the exchange between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon was golden. A great way to build heat for Kevin Owens as they head into Hell in a Cell. The powerbomb through the merch table was not only entertaining, but necessary. Because Shane getting the upper hand wouldn't make it necessarily exciting, but I'll let you know a little bit later on how I believe they're actually building towards this match. Let's get to your questions. There's four of them to get to on this program because I have predictions to get to towards the end. Bearded Warrior via Twitter, a big fan of the program. I appreciate your support. I know you love ECW. So who were your all-time favorite wrestlers there? There are three that that immediately come to mind. Taz, number one. Pound for pound, one of the most feared grapplers in the history of professional wrestling. In my eyes, 1999 was the year of Taz, the human suplex machine. He's my all-time favorite from ECW. Raven, arguably the greatest persona in ECW history and one of the best in pro wrestling history. His psychology probably is second to Jake Roberts. I mean, it it applied to all areas of his character, uh, promos, in-ring work, you name it. He was there. Actually, Paul Heyman said it was so fun writing for him because Raven, Scott Levy, the man who played him, was such an intelligent individual that he knew the character so well. And Sabu, perhaps no one defined ECW more than Sabu. The look, the attitude, the style, it just wouldn't have been the same without him. Ben Gibson via Google+. Plus. What to expect during the new run of The Shield? Unfortunately, it's going to likely be a watered-down version compared to their original run. Truthfully, I feel the element of surprise would have worked wonders here. I'm not against a steady build, but the reunion out of nowhere isn't something that's common in the modern landscape of the WWE. So that would actually be something completely unique and different. Also, this will be a very, and I stress very, temporary run as it's being used as a vehicle to help provide Roman Reigns with some more credibility and support. They just need to embrace the fact that he's hated and some love him, but this is going to be used to build him, in my humble opinion. John Marston via Google+, Plus. what are your thoughts on the Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon rivalry? Well, it's one of the better feuds in the WWE at the moment because it's extremely personal and at times highly unpredictable. Jeremy via Twitter was asking about Kane, and he said, almost 20 years in the business, what is his legacy? Triple H said at best, he's the constant. That was on the Stone Cold podcast, and he is. He is the constant. Love him or hate him. Kane has been around performing at a high level since 1997, and this is actually what I wanted to talk about, the significance of that day. 
This is where Kane, on October the 5th, 1997, debuted at Bad Blood, which actually featured the very first Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. If you want to relive that moment, relive it on YouTube or, of course, the WWE Network. Now, also taking place on October the 5th, 1997, was a tragic day. Brian Pillman passed away at 35 years old. Uh, I've mentioned Brian Pillman several times on this podcast based on the fact that he's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. And arguably, to me, I think he's the Pixies to Steve Austin being Nirvana. Without Brian Pillman, there would have never been a Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was that influential, that necessary, that far ahead of his time. Brian Pillman, at the age of 35, still had so much more left in him. But unfortunately, that accident where he flipped over his Hummer and his ankle was destroyed and needed to be fused, the fact that he was addicted to drugs, the fact that he was going overboard with his character did not really help him in the long run. So I've talked about him at length on previous editions of the program. Uh, I could highly recommend an article in 2006 that Dave Meltzer wrote on Brian Pillman, who he was close friends with. So that's an article that I highly recommend you check out. But yes, October the 5th, 1997, a significant day for two very different reasons. Predictions you can take to the bank. WWE Hell in a Cell takes place this coming Sunday, October the 8th, from the new Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. A pretty solid card from top to bottom. And it is the ninth event under the Hell in a Cell banner. Let's start with the kickoff match on the kickoff show. Starts at 7 o'clock in the East. The main card at 8 o'clock in the East. It is Sheldon Benjamin and Chad Gable taking on the duo of the Hype Bros. They are still a thing. Again, that is your kickoff match. Will we finally see Zack Ryder turn on Mojo? I, for one, sure hope so. As for Sheldon Benjamin and Chad Gable as a duo, I'm into them, but I appreciate them more as singles competitors. And either one of them could be a viable top contender for the United States Championship. So let's hope that they eventually part ways. They don't necessarily need to have a rough breakup or one has to turn on the other. But I would just like to see them as singles competitors and have a good run either way. As for the Hype Bros, let's see them break up and let's see Zack Ryder you know, attack Mojo with a chair after the match. My prediction, Sheldon Benjamin and Chad Gable emerge victorious. Zack Ryder is just angry and viciously turns on Mojo. Moving ahead to the glorious one, Bobby Roode taking on the man, seemingly without a gimmick, but mocking gimmicks, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Bitter Ziggler. So it's a different spin on this whole gimmick routine. We saw Charlie Haas do it, uh, Damien Sandow, and Curtis Axel, but it was all because they were mocking these gimmicks in more of a comical way. He's doing the same thing, but he's also saying like, hey, you're going to cheer a guy who comes out and, you know, like a HBK or a Triple H, and they have cool entrances, and he's, he's super bitter, and I understand where this gimmick is coming from. It's not resonating with me, and perhaps, you know, it is with you, or maybe it's not, but I'm just not enjoying it. Dolph Ziggler hasn't been clicking over the past couple of years. I mean, yes, there's only so many times you can say, give this man an opportunity, but he has to grab the ball and run with it. As for Bobby Roode, as a babyface, he's actually doing a fairly admirable job, even though naturally he's such a great, arrogant heel. I would love to see that Bobby Roode emerge at some point in the near future because he's easily a world champion who can hold on to that. So Bobby Roode will get his arm raised. 
Dolph Ziggler will continue to be bitter. And I say Bobby Roode because he's new to the SmackDown roster and he needs the victory. Randy Orton taking on Rusev. Rusev lost in, what, 10 seconds at SummerSlam? And then he got one over Randy Orton, and they had that big Bulgarian festival featuring Aiden English as the singer and MC. I just don't think they're going to pull the trigger with Rusev. And they should. He needs the victory. Randy Orton should be putting over talent of the future. Rusev, back in 2015, was a viable heel. He was undefeated. Of course, that ended at WrestleMania 31 at the heels, or at the hands, I should say, of John Cena. It'd be great if he got a victory over Randy Orton, a clean one at that. I just don't see them pulling the trigger. Randy Orton is my prediction. Natalia versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And keep in mind who's lingering in the background. None other than Carmella and her pet, James Ellsworth. Very strange relationship there. Feels like Fifty Shades of Grey. So Natalia forced Charlotte to tap out to the sharpshooter on SmackDown. Charlotte has been on a quest to put that championship around her waist. She is... In many cases, the uncrowned champion. Coming over from Raw, she was virtually unbeatable. And when she did lose, she would win the championship back the next week or the next month. So I feel like Charlotte's finally going to have her moment in the sun on SmackDown and Carmella's going to ruin it. That's not my definitive prediction in terms of Carmella, but the probability of her cashing in is pretty high. She's going on four months with that briefcase. Now is the time to do it, or perhaps she waits till Survivor Series. AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, taking on Baron Corbin for the United States Championship. Baron Corbin has lost so much steam since he had that failed cash-in attempt for the SmackDown Championship. Just didn't work out. I think AJ Styles retains this championship based on the fact that I think it's going to be that build-up towards WrestleMania, him and Shinsuke, but they're going to have him probably lose it towards the end of the year. So I'll say AJ Styles retains, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Ty Dillinger or if he's going to play a part in this match. Could be possible. The New Day versus The Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, and guess what? It's in Hell in a Cell. It's actually been a pretty good feud. It's been very entertaining. It's gone back and forth with each team trading victories and trading titles over the other. The New Day need some fresh opponents. The Usos need some fresh opponents. So either way, this is the final battle. They're going to part ways, and we'll see many different other tag teams be thrown into the mix. I think the New Day is going to retain their tag team championships, although I would prefer to see the Usos emerge victorious. Jinder Mahal taking on Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. I've been reading all over the place that Shinsuke could be predicted to win this match. I think now is the time to pull the trigger, get the crowd behind him. I just hope the the powers that be feel the same way. You can knock Jinder Mahal all you want. Don't hinder the gender. But this title reign has been completely unmemorable. Please, if you can, off the top of your head, tell me one memorable thing about Jinder Mahal's title reign. I'm not knocking him as a performer, but this title reign has been so lackluster. There was actually a Reddit thread that was saying, name a more lackluster title run that has lasted over 100 days. It's very difficult to do. I think a few people listed D. 
Diesel, but at least Diesel had some great matches with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Jinder Mahal hasn't really had any memorable matches either. He typically comes out, cuts a promo with the Singh brothers. That's really about it. So it's been somewhat of a letdown with his title reign. I'm hoping that Shinsuke Nakamura ends it, and that is my prediction that Shinsuke Nakamura will become your new WWE champion. Shane McMahon taking on Kevin Owens. It's very personal. It's a false count anywhere Hell in a Cell match that has been perfectly designed for Shane McMahon in a big spot. So I'm sure Little Caesars Arena will be witnessing something spectacular in person because we know that Shane McMahon is going to go that extra mile. It's bound to happen. We know it's going to happen. Just like at WrestleMania when they set up the match with The Undertaker. We knew it's going to happen. It's inevitable. So what happens here? What is the outcome? Kevin Owens finally got some heat on him on SmackDown, deservedly so. And then we have Shane McMahon, who doesn't necessarily need to win this match. But if he does, Kevin Owens needs to move over to Raw. There's no point keeping him on SmackDown any further. This match should do the same thing for Kevin Owens that it did for AJ Styles. It should solidify him as a main eventer. Shane McMahon should be putting him over. That's my prediction. And I'm very hopeful that your winner will be Kevin Owens. And we are going to see a death-defying spot in this match, perhaps even or two. Could we see that? Do you agree with my predictions? Do you disagree? Let me know on social media, at Chris Toplack on Twitter. Ask the Top is my Facebook fan page. I'm on Instagram, at Chris Toplack. Uh, I'm on Snapchat as well, too. Google Plus, get a lot of questions on there. A good fan base on there as well, too. Even Tumblr still exists, and sometimes I find myself posting on there. I'm a social media junkie. I can't help myself. By the way, uh, follow my best buddy. He's like a brother to me. He is family. His name is Simon Trickett. Follow him on Twitter, at 469Simon. The reason why is he's actually going to be here at my place, live tweeting while I am away in Traverse City with the misses. So if I do miss this, pay-per-view. Believe me, I'm going to rewatch it later that night, but I might have my face in beer flights. I'm going to be highly enjoying that in Traverse City. When in Rome, right? So, until that point in time, I hope that you spread the word of this program. I hope that we get more people tuning in every time this show is produced. And until that time again, happy trills to you until we meet again.